You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio 950 AM and 930 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you conversation about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Good morning, I'm Michael May of the Archdiocese of Chicago's Radio TV office, and I'm glad to be with you today for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Every Saturday morning, we bring you highlights of our local Catholic radio programs that can be heard Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 in the morning on WNDZ 750 AM. Today's program begins with a segment from the Catholic Conference Hour hosted by Bob Gilligan. This month, Bob spent some time talking about how Catholics voted in the 2020 election. Here's a highlight. Ryan Burge uh, from Eastern Illinois University, who has written and studied a little bit about uh, how Catholics voted in the last election. Uh, Professor Burge, are you with us? Yes, good morning. Good morning. Hey, thanks for taking some time this morning. So you're at Eastern Illinois, correct? Correct, yeah. In, in oh gosh, refresh my Charleston, right? Charleston, that's right. I knew that. (laughs) I knew that one. Uh, Anyway, uh, thanks for taking some time to talk a little bit about your work. Um, Tell us, you know, I've read different uh, stories and I've received different information about how Catholics voted this past election. And I think most of your work has looked at the president's, uh, the presidential vote. Tell us, how did Catholics vote as related to uh, the presidential election? Because we've heard different stories and there's different data out there. Yeah, so there's really a fog right now. I mean, there's a lot of conflicting stories and narratives and exit polls. And I will say, first and foremost, we need to be very careful of our exit polling. Okay, because exit polling has never been that good. It's always, you know, it gets better as the, you know, as we can weight it against the election. But this year has been really bad because of so many mail-in votes. And Mm -hmm. you obviously can't exit poll someone who doesn't actually exit a poll on election day. So, um, but there seems to be some sort of narrative emerging from the vote cast data, which is the Associated Press's data, which is probably the best data we have, which shows that white Catholics were seven points less for Trump in 2020 than they were for Trump in 2016. Um, they, I've seen data of 66% of white uh, Catholics voted for Trump in 2016, and that was 59% in 2020. So a seven-point drop is pretty significant when you consider the size of white Catholics you know, in the general electorate. And keep keep going a little further. So you, you think there was a seven-point drive of white Catholics, and, and Hispanic, does it break down to other demographics as well? Yeah, so there was some slippage amongst Hispanics. We know that there are certain areas in which Hispanics really did not support Joe Biden in the way they supported Hillary Clinton four years ago. For instance, in places like South Florida, Miami-Dade County, yeah. which has a lot of um, Cubans, a lot of Catholics in that area, they were 29 percent. Hillary Clinton won Miami-Dade by 29 points in 2016. Biden only won it by nine points this mm-hmm. time. So, you know, there's some evidence there that there's some slippage amongst your, you know, your Cuban, 
Hispanic Catholics. And that might be, you know, really the difference in Florida because it's a very close state. So we do. And we're really, you know, in the early days of trying to figure out what in the world happened and why Joe Biden is not loved by Catholics as much um, on Hispanic Catholics as Hillary Clinton was four years ago. But so is it safe to say overall that the president did win the Catholic vote? I I thought I'd read it was like think this this particular date it was like 50 49 i mean i don't know if that's reliable yet but is it is that safe to say yet or is that still being yeah i think that's safe to say it was probably 52 48 or 50 50 but again we're not going to know for a couple months exactly what the figure is but it definitely trump won by a smaller margin amongst catholics this time than he won four years ago right and you know that that might be the difference in a very close election which seems like every presidential election is very close nowadays yeah it sure does um so going back to you know (laughs) This is always the question in my world, um, and I and I think I probably know the answer to this already. Is it seems that th- when you say Catholics, that's kind of like saying almost everybody. Is there a difference between, or do you know the difference between those Catholics that uh, proclaim to be mass attending Catholics as opposed to just any Catholic? Because I think those numbers switch a little bit when you when you look at those that attend mass on a regular basis. Sure. So white Catholics, in my mind, are sort of a less conservative version of white evangelicals. Mm-hmm. But if you compare really high-attending white Catholics to high-attending white evangelicals, the differences between the, group, the groups get a lot smaller. And so you know, your white Catholics who attend Mass once a week or more tend to be almost as conservative and as Republican as your white evangelicals. So they're definitely mm. – so for white evangelicals, attendance doesn't drive up the Republican affiliation that much. But for white Catholics, it drives it up a lot more. So being, you know, very uh, observant white Catholic makes you very uh, much more Republican than attending church for a lot more for a, a white evangelical, let's say. Yeah, yeah. With, with some assumptions, you're gonna you can draw. Will they actually poll that question? Will they will they de- delved further down into that yet, or or you think that that's where the analysis will end? No. So when we get the real the real good data, the one that I use is it comes out in March or April, and it's wow. been weighted, it's been voter verified. And they ask questions about church attendance. So right. that's really when we can start seeing these, you know, these really minute differences. And the size of those data sets is 50, 60, 70,000 people. So we can really yeah. kind of dive into, you know, men versus women, white versus non-white, attending weekly versus attending never. Right now, we're, we've got just one cut at the data, and it's really crude. So we're really yeah. kind of guessing, yeah. you know, educated guessing yeah. at this point. Yeah, yeah. You'll be really happy when that data comes out. <laughs> that's that's the happiest two weeks of my life it's when all that data drops and I can just start cranking out analysis and, and really get under. But for me, it's good because I get to understand sure. the story of the religious vote. So, you know, it helps me and it helps the community. So I just love all that. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Yeah, I can tell the, your, the, the tone in your voice. You're kind of all geeked up about that. Stuff. <laughs> hey, sure. you know, no, different no, strokes, right? Um, yeah. Um, Ryan, is there um, is there you may not question poll this question yet or know the answer to it, but is there any message in particular that you think appeals to Catholics as opposed to people in the the general population, or is it is the tr- is the truth that the messages are pretty much the same no matter whether you're Catholic or not? I think that's a good question. I think that you know the one thing that seems to be emerging from the data is that that Donald Trump was a was a strong choice for Catholics in 2016, but things that have happened in the last four years have really soured them on Donald Trump, which sort of tells you, I think, a lot about the Catholic vote, which is it's more of a swing vote. It's not so you know yeah. strongly aligned with one party or another like your white evangelicals are, or let's say your black Protestants are, right? So really, the candidate matters a lot for the Catholic vote, and I think Donald Trump, you know, by his actions and by the coronavirus and by, you know, the impeachment and everything else, it does seem like that he, you know, he lost five, six, seven percent of white Catholics especially 
And, you know, what we talked about in an election where things are so close, five mm-hmm. or six percent of white Catholic, which are 20 percent of the population, by the way, if you lose five percent of that, you're losing a point, point and a half. And, and remember, the states that mattered a lot this time around were Rust Belt states like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan. And those are states that have large contingents of white Catholics, between 20 and 25 percent of each of those states is white Catholics. So, you know, if you lose eight percent of 20 percent, that's a point and a half. Yeah. You lose a point and a half, that's enough to lose all three of those states and not get you a second term. So, you know, I think that Catholics are really, truly one of the swing religious groups in American life today, and one that's large enough that it can actually have, you know, national implications on the outcome of the race. And that could be why I know there was a lot of money spent on Catholic outreach. Um, I, I you know, <laughs> hey, being the position I'm in, I get most of it. Um, but I, I probably— Maybe it's just me, but I got I think I received more information from the Trump folks um, than I did from the Biden people. But I probably wasn't in the target for the for the Biden people in in that because of my job and some of the interactions we've had with the administration. I was just bombarded with information from the Trump campaign. Yeah. So what a lot of people don't realize is, is these campaigns are doing internal polling all the time. They're just churning, churning, churning all kinds of data mm-hmm. to try to figure out how to target. Right. So they were probably polling on religious groups consistently all the way back to, let's say, March or April, as soon as Biden became, you know, sort of the, the nominee. And they probably saw some softness amongst white Catholics, especially. Sure. And so they started targeting to those specific groups because they realized that Trump can't win unless he gets back to that level of support he had four years ago. So what you really see with things, and they also micro-target, like you just talked about. They say, okay, we're losing with white Catholics, but where are we losing for 2016? Is it those who have higher levels of education, higher levels of income, or lower levels? Is it certain regions? Is it certain you know, racial groups? Is it men versus women? And they have you know, detailed voter files on everybody in the country, so they can send you know, postcards and leaflets and everything to groups they think have defected from four years ago. And it does seem like the Trump campaign was pretty convinced that it was losing ground with white Catholics and did dump a bunch of money into mailers and outreach to white Catholics. But also, I don't think it was that successful at the end of the day, because we saw those numbers slip and slip and slip and never really come back the way that Trump needs them to come back for him to win. Do you think things like Mr. Biden walking around with rosaries, and I hear that people talk about that a lot, is that effective? I think at the margins it is. I so think it when is I too. think about the Catholic, yeah. So when I think about the Catholic vote, um, I think there's a push and a pull factor. Okay, I think that Donald Trump pushed some moderate Catholics away, you know, by his behavior, by some of his policies, by the impeachment, by the coronavirus, by you know all these little things. Sort of, he became what we were all sort of worried about, and he pushed some you know more moderate Catholics away. But I think the other side was the Democrats really nominated the best candidate to draw in a lot of those disaffected white Catholics, you know, because Joe Biden is a white Catholic and he speaks, you know, sort of authentically and genuinely about his faith. I mean, he goes to mass. He's not just putting on a you know pandering voice to try to win back these kind of groups. And I think that he was a safe choice for a lot of these Catholics in the Rust Belt, you know, you know, Scranton Joe and blue collar Joe, like that kind of language actually mattered. And it was it's just really hard to dislike Joe Biden, like it was to dislike Hillary Clinton four years ago. So, you know, I think Trump pushed some of them away, but then Biden was just a guy who was, it was easy to vote for Joe Biden. It was much easier to vote for Joe Biden than it was for Hillary Clinton four years ago. And I think those two factors together are really the reason why those five, six, seven percent of Catholics peeled off this time and went for Biden and went for Trump in 2016. And it's interesting, too, to see that, you know, amongst that, that, that voter, it, 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 I'm going to conclude that the the life position and religious liberty position and the school choice position, 
they they discounted that in favor of of Mr. Biden's personality and and he was not the things that that Mr. Trump is. Yeah, I think it's it's a luxury to vote for social issues um, when things are good. Yeah. You know, whenever whenever you don't have a good job point. and coronavirus is raging, your kids aren't going to school and you're struggling with all these issues, you're not so worried about things like religious liberty anymore. You're worried about things like, can I eat? You know, yeah. can I pay the bills? Yeah. And I think that I think really Corona is what hurt Trump the worst in that specific regard. The way he handled it, the way he sort of gave it away to other people, you know, the way he didn't embrace, you know, the the, the lockdowns or, or really any mitigation. And I think that's where we saw a, a decent chunk of Catholics say, no, 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 we got to try something else because we can't keep doing what we're doing. And listen, like we talked about, you lose 1%, that's, that's, right. that's the whole election, it's you know, close. it does take a whole lot, so— does um, I guess this is my final question. Um, does does the Pope matter? I mean, it's, it does seem like there was a little bit of an uh, embracing there of of, of of the Pope. Does does the Pope have any influence on on this? Do you think? I think that the Pope has some influence in sort of a you know an outside adjacent way, and mm-hmm. I think your 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 weekly mass attending Catholics do you know, pay a lot more attention to what the Pope says and what the Pope does and his positioning and messaging than, mm-hmm. than Catholics who don't go as much. But I also think it's clear that the Pope has not endorsed Donald Trump, I mean, in, in various ways. Right, he's made top. some kind con- yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, right, so he's, he's kind of undercut the Trump message, and he also sort of, you know, somewhat embraced civil unions a couple weeks ago. So, you know, I think there was definitely a move from the Pope to move the Catholics back to the middle. I know he has to be an international Pope, obviously, for every country. But America, American Catholics matter a lot in the grand scheme of things. So I do think that, you know, there's just this, this feeling you get with Pope Francis that I think was different than prior popes, especially on issues of politics. And I think it, it did give some Catholics in America license to maybe not vote for the pro-life candidate, maybe vote for the candidate that, that they favor on other types of issues like economic issues, which Francis does talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to look in the data and find that direct connection, but it does seem like there's sort of a shadow there of Pope Francis in the, in the white Catholic vote especially, and we did see those white Catholics defect just enough. So, I mean, we'll, we'll be t- you know, pulling all this apart over the next you know, weeks and months and years to try to figure this out, but it does feel like there was some, some sort of subtle shift in the last couple of years, and Francis was probably part of that as well. It's going to be interesting to see where we go from here as the Republicans. I think we'll see what happens, but um, I think one of the things that's interesting about this election is they did better um, with uh, some African-American demographics and with some Hispanic demographics. And it's going to be interesting to see if, if that was just a one-time deal, if they can build on that. And, and you know, it seems like the parties are shifting a little bit where the Democratic Party is kind of becoming the party of, you know, Wall Street and the elites in some ways. And then the Republican Party seems to be shifting its message. And this is largely because I think because of the president's message about uh, working class issues and strong defense and, you know, sort of anti-immigrant. And so it'll be interesting to see if that moves at all or if we just this was just a one time deal. I think that 2024 is going to be a really interesting election because it's yeah. it's open on both sides. Do they run another yeah. you know Trump style Republican, or do they go back to the middle for the Republicans? And who do the Democrats choose? Is Kamala Harris, or right. the, you know, does yeah. Biden run again? Right. There's so many questions for 2020, yeah. 2024. It's gonna be fascinating. Yeah, I don't think this is over. I think Trump's not going away either. <laughs> I think he's yeah, no, down. he said he's not going away. Yeah, so, you see know, what happened this week. But his health might keep him away though. I mean, he's gonna be seventy eight years old at you know yeah. in twenty twenty four. So we don't know where he's gonna be. Health I know it's amazing. Suddenly, men in their seventies are like the prime guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Our thanks to Bob and his guests for that great insight. Our next segment comes from the good people in the Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship Office. 
during their program called On The Way, host Beth White and her guests looked forward to the Thanksgiving holiday in the midst of a pandemic. Let's listen in. going to shift gears and speak with a dear friend of mine, Michelle Schaefer, from the University of St. Mary of the Lakes Institute for Lay Formation. She is the associate director there. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Beth. How are you? And can I just start with, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Wow. Thank you, Michelle. (laughs) All right. So I want all of our listeners to know that Kevin and Michelle are probably the two most positive, energetic people that I know. And so we've got you awake, I hope, on this Wednesday morning. And Michelle does not drink coffee. So um, (laughs) never have. We'd be afraid if she actually drank coffee. Uh, So thank you for that. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. Well, we got to, you know. Sing it when we mean it, and if we're talking about some gratitude, it, it just bubbles up in you. <laughs> so she just transitioned for us. So we're going to talk a little bit with Michelle, as I mentioned at the top of the show, about Thanksgiving and gratitude. And this has been quite a year for all of us, 2020. I know that every time something bad happens to someone, I now say, well, 2020 just keeps giving. Um, <laughs> you know, there, was a, uh, there was a big uh, water main break in downtown Chicago earlier this week, and and, you know, I was like, wow, there you go. Uh, yeah. So but so as we enter Thanksgiving time, um, I asked Michelle, um, who is a very positive person, to just and it's real. It's a joy that comes from her relationship with God, from her relationship with Jesus. And it is authentic and real. And I've known her for years. And I just I, I thought of you because um Gratitude isn't something that's um, maybe natural for folks this year, as we're being told that Mm -hmm. our um, Thanksgiving tables need to be limited to the people in our homes. Um, There's a lot of stress. Um, People have buried people that they love this year and haven't been able to have proper funerals. They haven't been able Mm -hmm. to have weddings that they had always dreamed of. Um, Mm -hmm. Babies have been born and haven't met uh, friends and extended family, Um, all kinds of things People have lost jobs. I mean, the litany goes on. So tell me a little bit about how you have come to understand gratitude on your own spiritual journey. Wow. Well, um, and you're right. I mean, it's 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 easy for me. I've got the gift of joy, so I, I'm always in this joyful place. But um, there are things that have happened this year that have been, you know, a little disconcerting. And... Um, so I always, you know, we always have to reach deep inside and where are we with God? Um, 
I, I love that the Lord has given us that he's given us so many scripture passages. Um, one of my favorites um, is do not be anxious about anything, but in all situation by prayer and petition and Thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So I know a lot of people have called me during this time and saying, you know, with all their um, things that are happening that aren't great. And, and we pray together. Mm. And, and I think that is so, so important. And we, we really do try and just turn it over to the Lord uh, and have him, um, you know, just be there. Just knowing God's with us a lot of the times is, is all we really need. But just that comfort and peace that only he can give us. Um, I know I, I've been doing a little research on this thing called gratitude. You know, it's it's so healthy for us, mm-hmm. even in the midst of. Um, things that are not going right for us, to still find small things to be grateful for. Even the small things can change our whole attitude. And it's a maturity, though. It's a maturity thing that I, I, I've, uh, and all the research that I've been doing, it's like we have to practice it. Mm-hmm. So where we're, we're down or something bad has happened, there always will come something good out of it. Because we're, we're Christians. We believe that. We believe that that um, the Lord is always with us and always got our best interest uh, in his heart and mind. And so he wants to give that to us. So sometimes things are given to us to grow and learn. And so if we find that growth and, and learning process through our uh, sufferings, hallelujah. <laughs> um, but it's not easy. It's not easy. And I think that's why it's so important to connect with other people. That's one of the things that um, uh, one of these Harvard um, medical school found out that people who, in the midst of, of problems, they they really deep down look deep inside and say, "What well, there is something good that's going to come out of this." Um, they're they're more likely to go help somebody else. Mm, interesting. So I mm. thought that was really really cool that if you are a person that, um, and it's not just extroverts or people who are positive thinkers, that's for everybody. I mean, we all can do that. We can all challenge ourselves to still look at the good things um, that are happening, even in the midst of our sorrow. Um, I know Jim and I, my husband and I had a a few years of difficult times. He was out of work for four years. Mm. Um, And, um, but we leaned in, we leaned in on the Lord. And and I got to tell you, it was the it was one of our uh, blessings now we look at um, that we had to lean on each other and lean on God mostly. Yeah. Um, so so it, I, I find what's interesting um, about gratitude is that uh, the sense of there's someone else that you're grateful to. It isn't mm-hmm. that you're just on your own. That's the other piece of it. I know that Absolutely. when I get anxious, somebody told me, I said, I I'm, I, I, don't actually, that's not a natural disposition for, to, for me to be anxious, but I've found myself mm-hmm. being anxious during this pandemic. And, mm-hmm. it, and it catches me a little off guard. I'm like, wow, what is this thing that I'm feeling like all this anxiety? And so I asked mm-hmm. someone who um, is professional, she's my spiritual director, and she's also a therapist um, by trade. And she said, well, when you're feeling anxious, you just think about the moment, not the past, not the future, mm-hmm. but the moment. Am I okay mm-hmm. right now in this right. moment? 
Am I um, safe? Am I healthy? Am I whatever? And um, you can always find in those moments things that you are grateful for, right? And I know some days the only thing we can be grateful for is that we have peanut butter in our cupboard and we have a pillow under our head and everything else in the world is awful. But you can be grateful for something. Yeah, and you know what? You hit on a very, very good thing that also is in this research is that we're grateful for somebody else. Yes. So I did have a friend just call me, and she said, "You know, I, oh, I really want, I really need help, but I'm really, I don't want to ask for help because everybody's in the yeah. same boat." I go, "No, you need to ask for help because then you're blessing people too. You're letting them have a blessing. Did that? You know what I mean by that? Like yes. you're letting them help yeah. you, yeah. so they're going to receive a blessing." So I'm helping you. I, you just made me think about some, a very dear person that was on my journey. His name is Lenny Zakem. And if you've ever been to Boston, Massachusetts, there's this huge bridge and it's called the Zakem Bridge. And mm-hmm. I was very blessed to know Z- uh, Lenny. He was the head of the Anti-Defamation League and he got a terminal cancer uh, diagnosis when he was 43. And he got... Yeah. Um, he got four years, and the, the longest that anyone's gotten with that kind of cancer, they usually get three. And mm-hmm. um, I I was young. I was in my late 20s, early 30s when I encountered him. And, oh, my gosh, he just really formed me in a lot of ways. And that was what he talked about, Michelle. He said, mm-hmm. I said, gosh, it must be hard to die. He goes, Beth. Every one of us are dying every day. I just exactly. literally know I don't have an extended period of time. So I'm living every day. I'm not dying. I am living. And he did. Yeah. And wow. he said that one of the most painful things, Michelle, was that mm-hmm. when he was a helper, he was one of those guys that helped everybody with everything. And people stopped asking. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah. he said to people, then I should just die right now. And they're like, well, no, we don't want to burden you. We don't want to bother you. And he's like, yeah. but that's what we Are do you- for each other. If I don't help you and I don't, if you don't let me do that, then you're taking Mm -hmm. a part of who I am away. And I was like, whoa. And that really taught me about, um, we get out of our own headspace when we recognize other Mm -hmm. people are struggling, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and, uh, this person has so many people helping her already because she's a widow and she's older, but it was, it was, it was great that, um, the Lord put that on my heart to tell her. And, you know, and she's like, yeah, I am going to call them first, you know, and and it's kind of like a, that pay it forward type yeah. attitude, yeah. too, yeah. is, yeah. you know, and that's what the researchers have found that once you have been uh, helped by somebody, you want to go and help somebody else. Yeah, so absolutely. It's, it's really a domino effect. It's empathy. So to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, of course, the, there's super awesome ways out there. One of the things that um, they find with children, if you have them write um, thank you notes uh, to be grateful for someone or something, you know, it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to just come at at your birthday when you're sending out your thank you notes for your gifts, but just who's, you know, helped you today? I know um, my oldest son at his dinner table at night, they um, ask each of the kids, you know, what made you happy today? Who were you grateful for today? Aww. And and it was That's and it's great. such a great. So of course, when we go down uh, to to visit them, we get included in that, <laughs> and it's so fun to hear what they're grateful for. And it just can be as little as, 
oh, I'm so glad that um, I met a puppy on my walk tonight. That's what was one of them. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, good for you, you know, or oh, I'm so glad Nanny and Papa came down to see us. Or just, it's we all just kind of did that. What a great, it just lifts your spirit, lifts your heart, lifts your attitude. <laughs> There's another passage that I really like. It's uh, 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5, uh, 16 to 18. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I, I really love that. In all circumstances, give thanks. Um, like I said, Jim and I were going through some hard times, and uh, I, I started praising the Lord, just outright, just praising the Lord. And I and my husband looked at me like I had three heads, <laughs> and I kept saying my prayer mantra was, "Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to trust in you." Uh-huh. And it was so amazing how He blessed us. Um, he didn't fix everything, right? Uh, you know, which is okay. But he was there with us and strengthening us Mm -hmm. together as a couple um, and strengthening our bond with him. And, you know, it was so powerful when he and he he took a job after being in corporate world for 30 years as a janitor Mm -hmm. um, at a parish. And I got to tell you, you know, it's not his dream job, but he has a job. Yeah. And he is so much the better for there's not a lot of stress in that I will tell you yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's been a it's been a really good good journey so you know give thanks in all circumstances um and I know folks are hurting out there and um and there's a lot of prayer warriors out there that uh another friend of mine said you know I, I feel so helpless I'm like oh my gosh are you kidding me you're one of the best prayer warriors I know mm. so just Get get on it. <laughs> well, there's a couple and, there's a couple sayings in the um, that I hear sometimes, and I personally cringe at them. I just I mm-hmm. oh, I just cringe at these sayings like God gives you only as much as you can handle, and <laughs> that um, I actually do not like the saying everything happens for a reason. I don't like that because mm-hmm. it almost sounds like God is sending all of these things on us, and then God is like mm-hmm. trying to. Uh, it's his will that you go through this suffering. I actually always flip that saying, God mm-hmm. can make reason out of anything, meaning yeah. God can take any darkness. And I just remember um, reflecting one day on where it says, pick up your cross and follow after me. Yeah. And it, I was, you know, reflecting on it. All of a sudden I, I heard and carry it with me, follow me. Pick up your cross and follow me to the Father, and he will glorify your cross the way he glorified mine. And that which you went through, the pain mm-hmm. and suffering, your cross will become something mm-hmm. that can help other people so that they don't have to carry their crosses quite so heavy. And I was like, whoa. whoa. And I really thought about that. And it's true if you mm-hmm. think about people who've gone mm-hmm. through, they've lost. Um, my. Uh, we were just, my daughter and I, I know this is an odd thing to talk about. We were talking the other day about... Um, around the Amber Alert and around, because there was an Mm -hmm. Amber Alert in Chicago area um, recently, or in the last couple days. And Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about Adams, the Adam Alert, like um, in a store. And we were talking about how people probably don't realize that those are two children 
that mm-hmm. were abducted and killed, but and that their families mm. took that tragedy and created something so that other parents don't go through that. And and so wow. that's how God God didn't wish that to happen to them, but He no. gave them the strength to make mm-hmm. something good out of it. So right. Exactly. Well, in, in Scripture, in James, it, it talks about when we when we are up against adversity, it kind of helps us with perseverance, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. getting getting to the to the, the finish line and a working um, and it and it and it matures us. Like I said in the beginning, it, it helps. There's gratitude has a sense of maturity um, that goes with it because when you are grateful. Uh, just about the little things, mm-hmm. you know, yep. how, how wonderful, uh, we, we lack nothing then, yep. right? When exactly. we're grateful, we, we lack nothing. And we can, uh, as long as we have put everything into Jesus, um, how beautiful is that? Thanks to Beth and her guests for that inspiring conversation. Here's a reminder that you can listen to all of our radio programs live or at your convenience by going to radiotv.archchicago.org. That's radiotv.archchicago.org. And our radio programs are available on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. So subscribe today. This week on Catholic Schools Today, Superintendent Dr. Jim Rigg talked to guest host Vince Girasoli and gave an update on Chicago's Catholic schools. Let's listen to that conversation. Dr. Jim Rigg, the superintendent of schools for the Archdiocese of Chicago. Um, are you going to have your extra coat on today, Dr. Rigg? <laughs> I can't tell yet. It looks like such a beautiful day out there, but you're right. It is uh, it is gusty, and this is, in fact, uh, mid-November in the city of Chicago, so probably a coat at least. <laughs> that's, the, that's the very least we're going to need. We want to thank you so much for joining us this morning, and we always like to get a status check on how things are going at the schools. Uh, this is a year unlike most— uh, and I think that's an understatement. But things actually at our schools have been progressing pretty well uh, with the precautions we've been able to take, correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, this has been a very unusual and uh, complicated year for anybody in education, and Catholic education in particular. But uh, as you know, Vince, uh, we did make the commitment to uh, reopening our Catholic school system for in-person instruction. Uh, you know, we worked all through the, the late spring and summer with local health agencies and our own team of uh, medical advisors to put together a very thorough and well-thought-out reopening plan that contained a lot of health and safety precautions. And, you know, we're now about a third of the way into the school year, and I'm so happy to report that things have gone very well. Uh, we have uh, minimal, if any, evidence that there's been transmission within our schools so the masking, the distancing, all of the cleaning and hand washing, all of that seems to be paying off. Uh, and I'm more convinced than ever that students and employees are safe in our schools. Dr. Rick, uh, we, you know, not, not to interrupt you there, but, but people have actually been looking to what, what the Archdiocese has been doing in the schools as sort of a model on, on how to handle things as best as you can under these circumstances. 
Yeah, you know, the, the governor made an announcement uh, earlier this week about, uh, you know, some new statewide requirements, uh, but he specifically said that schools can continue to operate. And I've been told that uh, he was informed in allowing schools to continue to operate in large part by the success of our Catholic schools. Well, we've had some COVID cases, but uh, as I said, uh, nearly all, if not all of them, uh, have involved people who have become infected outside of school and have unknowingly bringing, brought it in. And so, uh, again, we have very little evidence to suggest that there's been person-to-person transmission. And I think that's to the great credit of our, uh, of our teachers and employees and students and families. Really, it's a community coming together. I mean, there's, there are guidelines that can be put in place and systems put in place, but it really does take the whole community from uh, the parents and, and students themselves to the people working in the schools to make the system function appropriately and, and as safely as possible. You know, that notion of community is so important for uh, Catholic schools, and it's a big reason why we wanted to continue in person this year. Uh, it is so important, we think, that um, teachers and students have a chance to see one another, be with one another. Um, and that notion of community comes up again and again as I talk to families and, and uh, their decisions as to why they chose a Catholic school. So we're so happy to be able to continue uh, in person as a community of Catholic schools together. Dr. Rigg, what's one of the top questions that you're receiving from families uh, when they ask how things are going? You know, I think families are watching the escalating COVID rates uh, in Northeast Illinois and around the country, and they're understandably nervous. You know, we're, we're seeing spikes in COVID throughout our country right now. And so uh, families do ask, you know, is school going to continue to be safe? And again, I keep going back to the data. You can't argue with the numbers. You can't argue with the science. You know, we just are not seeing person-to-person spread in our schools. And so we've done our best to, uh, you know, reassure people. Uh, Again, there are schools that have uh, had COVID cases. There have been individual classes and even entire schools that have had to quarantine for periods of time. But in uh, virtually every case, uh, those quarantine decisions have been uh, caused by uh, or motivated by uh, cases of COVID that are brought in from the outside. And so I've really encouraged families to make responsible choices in their, in their off times. You know, a lot of COVID is being spread through family gatherings, social events, club sports teams, and those sorts of things. And, you know, we, we try not to be judgmental when we send out these reminders. But, uh, you know, I always tell people the decisions of a few can impact the many. And, you know, if a family goes out and does not um, protect themselves and their own personal lives, they, they can get sick. And that can impact our ability to continue in-person instruction. Something to keep in mind as Thanksgiving is just around the corner. I have been uh, booking guests and and lining up interviews for some different projects here at the Archdiocese. I have been so impressed with how creative, in particular, some of your music teachers have been in recording (laughs) virtually concerts. And I know that there are significant efforts at many schools right now to put together some sort of holiday program uh, so that we don't have to, you know, we may be taking some sort of a detour this year, but we don't have to completely lose that that festive atmosphere that we come to look forward to. No, I agree with you. I, I likewise have been so impressed by the creativity and ingenuity of all of our teachers. But, you know, you mentioned music in particular. Uh, it's been neat to see many of our music teachers and our band teachers and others and how they have uh, creatively come up with alternative plans for holiday concerts. Uh, nearly all of which involve some type of virtual component. So I, I have four kids of my own in the Catholic school system, and um, all of them are musicians. <laughs> and uh, and so they're they're getting ready for a band 
performance uh, happening next month for Christmas, but it's going to be all virtual. So we'll have the opportunity to watch our own children uh, play with other kids in a virtual setting and still be able to celebrate the Christmas and Advent season. That also means you get to hear them practice a little bit more than normal at home. So I'm sure that must be. Yes. In, that's enjoyable <laughs> in so many different ways. <laughs> switching, gear, <clears throat> switching gears here just a bit. I did want to talk a little bit about the tax credit scholarship program. Um, uh, the There are some uh, parameters and I think there might be some deadlines coming up, if I understand correctly. Yes, yeah, so this is the uh, the tax credit scholarship program through the state of Illinois. We are uh, preparing, believe it or not, for our fourth year of implementation of tax credit scholarships. So we're doing some special appeals as the calendar year comes to a close to any individual who pays taxes in the state of Illinois, which is, by the way, all of us, should be all of us. And so everybody's got a tax liability, and through the tax credit scholarship program, you can dedicate some of your state taxes to scholarships for kids in private schools. So if you go to our website, artchicago.org, you can find out more information about tax credit scholarships. And starting on the 1st of December, running through February of 2021, we have a two-for-one matching program. That's the most incredible part of this. I was reading up on that just a little bit, and that that really sort of, you know, gets more bang for the buck. It does. We have a set of donors who um, are supporting this two-to-one match. But uh, if you uh, dedicate any any portion of your tax liability to tax credit scholarships, uh, we have a set of donors out there that will match it two-for-one. Again, starting December 1st through February. More information up on our website. Okay. Now, I don't hear anybody rehearsing right now, so I guess you have just a, <laughs> a moment of calm. I, I know you can't stay with us for the full hour this morning, but uh, I sure want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, keeping us up to date on what's happening in the schools. Uh, do you know when the, the band concerts are? Do you attend just one band concert, or is it four different ones with the four different kids? <laughs> you know, I have two kids in high school and two kids in grade school, so that's two different concerts. Fortunately, not four. I love Christmas concerts, but I don't know if I want to go to four separate ones. <laughs> and a big thank you to Dr. Rick for that great information on our Catholic schools. Our final segment today also comes from the schools program. Guest host Vince Gersoli and his guests highlighted the Catholic High School's placement exam that is coming up on December 5th. Here's a highlight of that conversation. talking this morning about the Catholic high school entrance exam, because everything's cyclical. Everything's always about, you know, look at the calendar, what's coming up, what's coming up. And if you are an eighth grade family in particular, you have been uh, noticing, maybe have that that, uh, date circled uh, on your calendar about the Catholic high school entrance exam. This year it is on December 5th. Uh, It's a big decision deciding 
which school you're going to go to, um, what's going to be the best fit for your family. Uh, and then you also want to do well on that exam. So it's December 5th, and students should go to the high school that they hope to attend next year, and that's where they can take the exam, but you have to register for it. So I'm going to give you a website now. This is where you would register for the exam. It's at schools.archchicago.org. Uh, and uh, so many Catholic schools to choose from. It was difficult to choose which ones we could highlight this morning. Uh, but uh, we're going to travel on out to Belmont Cragen to the Catholic high school that I believe is not only the oldest Catholic high school uh, in Chicago, I, I think it's the oldest high school in in the city of Chicago, not just not just within our archdiocese, and we're talking about St. Patrick High School. And joining us over the phone is Dr. Joseph Schmidt. He's president um, at St. Patrick High School, and Mick O'Rourke, who's board chairman. He's also a 1986 alumnus and a current parent. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning. Great to be with you. It's good. To Thanks be- for taking time. It's uh, always nice to be on the show. We were on last year with Father Greg, and we had a great time, so it's nice to be with you today. Well, okay, I'm just the substitute, so I'll do my best to get the bus where well, you have to, to tell go. bad jokes, then. you have to <laughs> tell bad white, and you have to be a White Sox fan. Hey, good morning, Mac. <laughs> it's good to have you all here. You know, I've had the pleasure of visiting your school, and um, I'm not just saying this. Um, I, you can feel that it's a, a wonderful environment. Um, you, you can just feel that there's a caring atmosphere there and that uh, the students there are dedicated. I know this has not been the easiest of years for everyone, uh, but uh, in years past when I've been able to visit there, I, I always left with a, a really good feeling about the school. Uh, Dr. Schmidt, it, it does have a bit of a storied history here in Chicago. It's been around since 1861. It really does. We're celebrating our 160th year proudly this year at uh, St. Patrick High School. Of course, our roots are downtown at the Splains and Adams. We're going to have a big celebration, hopefully live, at Old St. Pat's with uh, Father Hurley on uh, Sunday, May 23rd, celebrating our 160th year. And uh, we're, we're proud of that because uh, we are we are the northwest side of Chicago and uh, so proud to be able to, to serve uh, in the great city of Chicago. You know, I'm sure you bump into families from time to time, and they have many choices to make. And, and some of those choices are whether to attend a tuition-based school or not. Uh, and some of those choices are whether to attend a faith-based school or not. What is it? You, know, you have to have that elevator speech we always hear about. What, what do you tell people in a nutshell why uh, an education at St. Patrick is, is really a good choice? Well, first of all, the, uh, we have a great academic school. But we have uh, we just have a uh, camaraderie and a brotherhood at St. Pat's that is really unmatched, and uh, it's uh, it's something that we work on. That, that environment you talked about, it, you walk in the front door and it's friendly and teachers care. As the founder of the Christian Brothers, St. John Baptist de La Salle, would tell the early brothers, "Look, at you better touch the hearts of these students," and uh, that's that's the important part of uh, going to school, uh, and yeah. we take that we take that very seriously. Mick, you attended school there, and it's obviously a choice that was good for your family as well. Uh, just speaking personally on uh, uh, in your own life, how did your education stay with you as you went on your life journey? Uh, my education stayed with me in that I attended a, a Catholic college and attended Marquette University, and then when my wife and I uh, started our family, we moved to St. Mary of the Woods, and that's where we knew Father Greg from. So I, I guess and we've our kids have gone through Catholic schools and they're in Catholic colleges now. So I guess the foundation that was built for me and then my wife attended Mother Karen 
in Catholic high schools has led us to continue that onto the next generation of our kids with Catholic education. We're huge believers in Catholic education. And if you ask about the elevator speech I give is we, we build that foundation to form young men to leave our school and be successful citizens in the world that we live in, which is a, it's a kind of a strange world right now. So we figure we put out a great product, but it's also they leave and they know that there's 160 years of legacy to support them, and that's so important. It, it, did you have to have a conversation with your, your kids, or did it just come naturally that this is a good choice for them in particular? It's such an interesting way to ask that question. It, it did come naturally. It, we don't tattoo them when they're born with a shamrock. That's a, that's a rumor. I don't want that to be believed. <laughs> but it did come naturally. But, it, you know, it, it, there was, it was all about the Catholic model. We believe in the Catholic education model, and they've heard my wife and I say that from day one. So I guess that's where it started, and they believe that St. Pat's would be the one. And my son that's there as a sophomore now, I asked him last night at dinner, I said, How's everything going at school? He says, I'm just so happy to be in the building. We've had our kids in the building this year, which is absolutely fantastic. And Joe should touch upon what we did for our families just recently with regard to uh, the Shamrock Cares Fund. Tell us a little bit more about that, Dr. Schmidt. Yeah, I'd be, uh, I'd be glad to. So uh, board approved. Uh, we helped in a few different ways. Number one, we, we gave a uh, tuition break this year for all families. So we have 550 students. So uh, we gave each family a $500 credit that we will just kind of uh, take take in, into the budget and uh, give our families a little bit of help in these uh, very you know challenging COVID times. And so many of our families are just solid middle-income families that uh, need need the help. Everyone is having some difficulties in these times. And then also, for next year, we have frozen tuition uh, at this year's rate for all families. So it's probably on a 4% increase. It'd be another you know, uh, $150,000 that uh, we'll, we'll tuition freeze for next year. And then for the incoming class next year, we've allocated uh, an additional uh, 35% into financial aid, which is about uh, uh, $150,000 to uh, help incoming freshmen that are uh, class of 2025. So the whole package is called the Shamrock Scares Fund, and uh, it's about a half a million dollar package. And we're, we're really uh, pleased and excited that uh, our board approved uh, some help for our families who work pretty hard and, and basically are month-to-month payer of their bills, and they need assistance to uh, be able to attend St. Pat's High School. You know, that's important to mention, too, is that there is this commitment in our Catholic high schools. I know we're just talking about uh, St. Pat's right now, but there is this commitment to make sure that, that families can get some sort of assistance. I, I think that I was looking at your tuition. It's uh, just a little bit less than 13000 according to your website. But you do have these assistance programs, and the tuition shouldn't discourage people from taking the exam and, and, and seeing uh, what is possible, uh, especially when we see your academic offerings. It, it looks to me like you have, you have two different college prep programs, and also there's, like a, uh, there's something for every type of student is basically yeah, what, yeah, what we I'm just, finding. We just received a, a great letter from one of our um, students' parents who was down at the University of Illinois. said they just got a, a letter from the admissions people at Illinois that this year through our PAC program, which is uh, very successful and very fiscally helpful to our families, he received 29 credits down at Illinois. So basically he's a sophomore. That's the savings. I mean, that's the savings of money oh. and time. $30,000 plus for sure. 
Yeah. And in addition to that, too, even if, if, you know, some people say, well, you know, I have we did our best to save for for college. It also allows the student then to take extra classes um, it, if they so choose as well. You know, sometimes yeah, double, people... double majors. Some have already started in their fourth year, their master's degree. Mm-hmm. It's just a it's terrific opportunity for sure. Thank you. And there's also you're, you're making it possible for people to tour the school as well. Uh, I, I, I'm looking at, uh, you've got some Meet the Shamrock tours. A good number of them have passed already, but I think we still have about two more if folks are interested in touring the school. And really, they're going to they're gonna go on all year long because there's going to be makeup tests. They're, we're going to keep that open and available all the way through next August uh, because families have had a harder time, although we've done well. The open houses, of course, by COVID rules, are limited at 50, so that's 15 families, so we had four open houses, so that was 60 families, and we probably had another 75 to 100 families tour our, our building, and it shows uh, excitement on their part because you have to make a little bit of a special effort to get out and visit the high school. So that's a good sign for us. Mick, remind me, if you can, how many you've had go through the school so far of your children? I've had two graduate. Uh, I, he, one is gainfully employed, and his uh, parents like to say he's off the payroll. <laughs> and then I have uh, I have a sophomore at the University of Dayton, and then I have a sophomore at Shamrock High. And uh, I have no more kids after that. Were there any traditions that when you saw your children going through the same traditions that you went through, I mean, you know, 20, 30 years earlier, however however long it took you to form your family? Sure. Um how did it touch you and them and, and, and bring you together when you saw them going through some of the same experiences? Sure. So the, the I'll, talk, I'll, I'll talk about a small one and I'll talk about a big one. And the small one is the Italian beef sandwiches on Thursdays. And when my, I loved it when I was there. When my kids come home on Thursday, we could tell them that the house just got foreclosed on, but they had a beef sandwich at 5900 West Belmont Avenue, and they're in a good mood. So that that's a small one. <laughs> but then... The major one is, and I give Joe and uh, previous uh, presidents credit for this, is our graduation ceremony is at Holy Name Cathedral, and it's been that way for 30-plus years. And the, 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 the Mass is beautiful, and I, I love the fact that it's a Mass and it's not a ceremony and everything is based in Catholic tradition. But then the Shannon Rovers, at the end, walk the students out, and the kids get to stand outside on in front of Holy Name Cathedral, and they blocked the street off for about 45 minutes, and I celebrated that, and I saw my boys celebrate it, and I think that's probably the one, the fondest memory, but I give Joel, and it, I remember three or four classes before me, it wasn't at Holy Name Cathedral, and they said, this is an important milestone in a young man graduating. Let's do it at the most important church in the Archdiocese, and we do it at Holy Name Cathedral. You know, tradition, it brings us all together. Uh, Dr. Schmidt, I wanted to talk a little bit about your STEAM program. You have a a family science center at the school, too, and this is so important in preparing uh, students for the jobs of of today and tomorrow. It sure is. Yeah, we're into our fourth year, and uh, so many of our students have been able to benefit from internships created out of the STEAM program with uh, alums who have done well in the the STEAM areas and... uh, then hire uh, and use our our current students in that program uh, for internships. And also they will, when they uh, complete and graduate from St. Pat's, uh, they'll have that on their transcript, and it'll give them a little little, uh, one-up on their transcript, being a a STEAM graduate and uh, through a 
a STEAM program, which has been recognized by the state of Illinois. Not only that, these STEAM programs help these students get competitive jobs throughout their college career, too, if they're looking for summer employment. Having this type of emphasis in your schooling and learning some of those skills can help you with, you know, everyone, you know, you don't just have to work at the ice cream store, ice cream store scooping ice cream. You can actually, there are firms that would be more than happy to take students from a, a STEAM program for summer, for summer jobs, even while they're in high school. And we've got a great connection also with Lewis with their engineering and uh, aviation program where their instructors come out and teach. And we're well connected with the Shedd Aquarium. And there's lots of jobs and internships that are going to be available to St. Pat's uh, graduates uh, through the Shedd Aquarium. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of great opportunities here at St. Pat's. And uh, we're pleased that we're able to offer them to our, to our young men. You know, part of the reason we're speaking with all of you today is that we want to remind folks to sign up uh, for this year's entrance exam. And we've mentioned the date. It's December 5th. Is there anything special you want to say to the families out there about signing up for the exam? Well, I guess I, you want me to take that, Nick? Oh, sure, because you're the educator. I'm not. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm you just are. here for the, my good looks. Uh, <laughs> Which so, is why we're uh, on radio, by the way. Yeah, exactly. No kidding. Either, uh, you want to sign up. You're allowed to register at the Catholic schools now, so that has been open uh, since the 13th of November, so please do that. And the exam is going to be uh, in person at the schools, but you can also sign up online if you're, uh, if you're sensitive to uh, that, although the buildings are safe. Uh, St. Pat's, we haven't had a COVID case mitigated inside the building since, uh, you know, we started this school year. So, the buildings are clean and safe, and we follow all the COVID protocols. So uh, please, when you sign up, know that uh, you'll come here to St. Pat's and take the test here in the building. But if you so choose, just like during the year, we have a percentage of our families because we have a very, very good online program here at St. Pat's, and we've got about uh, oh, 20% of our families that have chosen to go full-time online where the other 80% of students are in a hybrid form where they're in school every other day. So. Uh, that's a little bit of the information for the December 5th uh, test. And, and just real quickly, Mick, this is really an angst-ridden time when you have to take this exam. Um, any advice to parents and students about to take the exam that you can say to set families at ease? Uh, and coming from a family perspective, not sure. from an educated perspective. So, uh, I mean, we're extremely lucky and blessed in the Chicago Archdiocese to have so many great choices in high schools and you have the single sex model you have the co-ed model you, you just have to do what's right for you and your family and so you know i, I look back and when i went to st pat's it, there wasn't the angst that is going on now with our kids we just you know we went to this neighborhood school we are lucky that we have these choices and it, it's important and so the child has to have input the parents have to have input and it really becomes a family decision and that's what i encourage families to do is sit down and have that open conversation with your child about what what are you trying to accomplish in these next four years and just because relax when you, you take into it, it and just relax when you take the test exactly that's all exactly. you have to do. remember to relax when you take the test oh exactly. boy did i enjoy and bring two number two pencils <laughs> that's right. bring those two and uh, before we say goodbye when can i get that italian beef sandwich what day of the week Thursdays, Thursdays or Fridays, come we'll to Shamrock High. <laughs> you may see me at the door to the school. Oh, Dr. we'd be honored. <laughs> Please come We close today's program with an important reminder that you can attend Mass online by visiting our website, 
artschicago.org. That's artschicago.org. The Masses are also available on Facebook and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash catholicchicago. Our thanks to ABC7 for televising our English Sunday Mass at 9.30 in the morning, to Univision for televising our Spanish-language Mass at 10 a.m., and Polevision for televising our Polish-language Mass Sunday at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Thank you for listening to us every Saturday morning on Relevant Radio 9.50 and 9.30 a.m. I'm Michael May for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Have a great weekend, everybody. Join us every Saturday morning for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.